Okay, we're going to do seasonal migration. I believe when it comes to science, it's going to be easy for both you and I. This one's only three and a half minutes. Uh, but again, if it's not, it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> all right, so, all right, let's do it. Usually when we talk about birds flying long distances, we're discussing seasonal migration. But did you know that there are some species that fly long distances just for food? One of the best examples of this is the albatross. Albatross are seabirds that nest on islands and search for food in the open sea. And you have one species that searches an average of a thousand miles from its nest. Yes, Rudy. Isn't it possible for them just to build a nest closer to where they're hunting for food? Doesn't it take so much out of them to do that? And what about the parents being away from the nest that long? The chicks they leave behind must really be hungry a lot if the parents are gone looking for food. You bring up some valid points, Rudy. For the chicks that the parents leave behind, they are actually capable of going for long periods of time without food, so they aren't really starving. For the parents that are on their foraging trip, they have to visit multiple locations because it's impossible for them to get enough food in one place. Unfortunately, the locations tend to be very far apart. Next, some of the islands are inhabited by a lot of predators. Unfortunately, I don't think they have much of a choice. Fortunately, though, the albatross fly using a technique called dynamic soaring which enables them to cover very long distances while expending very little energy. If it weren't for that, you would be right. They would be exhausted flying all around. Something else to consider is the fact that the albatross lay only one egg at a time. And that means the one chick doesn't have to share their food. Yes, Noreen? So they might easily fly a thousand miles when they're looking for food? Correct. How do they know where the food is? I mean, which direction to take to get to the food, and how do they find their way back home? Good question. We're not really sure, truthfully. It's very uh -huh. difficult to keep seabirds in captivity where you can study them. It's also very difficult to study them in the wild. But we think that a lot of what we've learned about some birds probably applies to seabirds as well. So we're thinking that albatross could make use of two different kinds of compasses. A sort of magnetic compass and a celestial compass. The magnetic compass somehow makes use of Earth's magnetic field. The problem is, we can't exactly prove this theory. To prove it, we would have to find some kind of magnetic sensory organ in birds, and we're not sure that we have. We have found in birds a mineral called magnetite, which we think might somehow be related to this because magnetite is a natural magnet. But the problem is that we've also found magnetite in non-migratory birds, which suggests that it may in fact serve a completely different function and not related to navigation at all. As far as the other compass, the celestial compass, it makes use of the stars more or less the same way humans have historically used the stars to navigate in the open sea. That's the way we believe the albatross navigate. Anyway, I want you to consider this. What if you had to go a thousand miles every time you wanted to get a bite to eat? Oh my God, that was good. 
Now that was good. I feel very comfortable. How do you feel about that one? The goddamn Henry V absolutely whipped our ass, but that one was solid. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> they're very, they're very, I know you're probably going to ask me, why do you know this? But they're very, I wouldn't say they're very similar, but <laughs> I think they have the same beak size as the Asian open bill. You can find those in Quamac and Lakaban. They're these big-ass birds. They're like this big, and they have a bill, and they have very long legs, right? And so an albatross, I wouldn't say it's exactly like that, but that's what I think of. And they're normally in islands, like in the goddamn isolated islands way out there in the Pacific. Um, yeah, so anyways, <laughs> albatross. You could just write down Alba, right? We don't really care about Alba. the name yeah, or yeah. anything, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just showed up A B T. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, not bad. Please, let's do this. Let's do this one. Let's kick ass. Yeah, the note taking was on point. How are your notes? Your notes were okay? Yeah, I think it's okay. Maybe I can answer the question. All right. We'll check out. Let's check out these questions. Number one, I love it. What topic? Okay does the professor mainly discuss? Does he main, now mainly discuss, that's what we're focusing on. Now, does he discuss mainly long distance seasonal migration of seabirds? Does he talk about the mating season of seabirds? No, Did just long distance. about mating? Mating of season? No. Mating, nope, good, take it out. Process of elimination, get the garbage out. A seabird that flies far in search of food? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah why seabirds love living on islands? No. So we have long distance seasonal migration of seabirds, but guess what? The main focus was sea. A seabird that flies far in search Fly, of food. So food, yes, it's sea. Right. The main focus was albatross. So let's hurry up and check this. This is going to be easy. Uh, a seabird that yeah, flies far in search of food. Answer. Good job. Okay. Now, according to the professor, which of the following is true about the albatross? Albatross. Okay. Which is true? So it says here, they can always search for food on an island that's closest to the best feeding ground. No, because why? They have to travel up to a thousand miles away. A, no. Do you understand why? A, no. Because close, closest and 1,000 miles are completely contradictory. Contra yes, I agree. Good. B, adult albatross are able to go for long periods of time Without food? That's it. I think that's... Look at this. You want to see my notes? Answer. Okay, wait. Look at C. Chicks need to eat often as they are not capable of going. No, no. The, the chicks don't have to eat often because they don't have brothers or sisters, right? This is one of those questions that we're going to have to break down. Because it says here, adult albatross are able to go for long periods of time without food. Now, that is a perfectly fine answer. However, if we look at D, that is a better answer. Capable of going long periods of time. Oh, I think that was the chicks. 
Ah, I think those were the, the babies. The babies are able to go long periods of time. If you look here, it says, Bill Ness, parents being away from Ness, parents behind looking for food, da 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 And he went on to say that the babies are capable of the going long periods of yeah. time, not the adults. Ah, oh, you son of a, you see wow. how tricky this is? If, don't, that, what I'm trying to say here, don't get too excited about the answer until you read all of them. Because if I had read, chicks need to eat often, no. But some of the islands on their foraging trips are inhabited by predators. I probably would have chosen D, to be honest with you, if I read all the answers. How are albatross chicks able to survive, even though their parents, okay, this is going to be easy, obviously. Okay, so A, albatross raise only one chick at a time. No. Okay, albatross forage only for foods that are exceptionally, no, rich in nutrients. It no, said nothing no. about that. Albatross store large quantities of food in the nest? No. <laughs> no, A and D are the answers, correct? Albatross raise only one chick at a time, and albatross chicks mm. are capable of going without food for long periods of time. Okay. All right, so here we go. Let's go on to number four. Ah, now we got to get down to our notes down here. It's about the compasses. So here I highlighted all the stuff about compasses. So it says the professor suggests which two ways that the albatross are able to find their sense of direction. It's magnetic and celestial. A magnetic and a celestial. Easy. Good job. Magnetic and celestial. Let's check. Let's check. Magnetic compass, celestial compass. boy. Five. According to the professor, why do some biologists doubt that magnetite helps birds navigate? Why do they doubt it? Because guess what? Look what I wrote down here in the notes. Magnetite is in non-migratory birds too, not just in albatross. Let's look at A, it says found in chicks that can't fly. No, magnetite no. is not the strongest of matter. No, it is no. in birds that do not migrate. See. Magnetite is in non-migratory birds. C, it says it is in birds that do not migrate. That's your answer. Anyway, I want you to consider this. What if you had to go a thousand miles every time you wanted to get a bite to eat? Ah, oh, okay. So what we're focusing on, he says at the end. A thousand miles every time you wanted to get a bite to eat. Every time you wanted to get a bite to eat, meaning something to eat. So in A, it says to emphasize how wasteful the albatross behavior is. Absolutely not. B, to encourage students to reflect on how impressive the albatross behavior is? Hmm. Maybe. Okay, let's go to C. Maybe, maybe. To encourage maybe. the students to travel far for fruit? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Or to discover if the students understand the discussion? No. It's B, encourage. Okay, so you think it's B? Oh, 
All right. So it says here to encourage students to reflect on how impressive the albatross behavior is. Now, D could have been the answer if they met a foot, if he, or if it were to say to metaphorically, uh, to, meta, uh, to make the students understand the metaphor behind the discussion. If that was in part, yes, that would have been the answer. But guess what? You got it. <laughs>